everyone. Welcome to Backstory Sessions. I'm your host, Matt. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, everybody. It's Kat, and I want to welcome you to this episode of Backstory Sessions. I'm joined today by my co-host, Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey, Kat. Hey, everyone. How are you? Back to the drive-in. What a great title and subject for a documentary. Yeah, for sure. Um, Have you been to the drive-in recently? I have, actually. I mean, depends on, you know, recently was relative, but... You know, during the pandemic time, um, I did go see, you know, like a lot of artists were um, doing concerts uh, and they would broadcast them over drive-ins. And so um, me and a couple of friends went to a drive-in and saw Bon Jovi. Oh, right. Yeah, I remember that. Didn't you like... uh... Uh, wasn't there an issue with your battery going dead or something? <laughs> well, so, you know, uh, drive-ins have changed because prior to that, I had not been since, um, I would say Greece. So that's like, what, 78 or somewhere around that for Greece. Oh, Lord, that so, was what, um, when they had the speakers <laughs> hanging on the window. Well, they did have those, and so that's what I was expecting. But, you know, there's no more speakers uh, hanging right, on the windows. Yeah. And probably a good thing, because, you know, I have an issue with, had an issue with my window, like, <laughs> going up and down on that's the driver's right. side. So I kept thinking, like, how am I going to hear? Because, you know, like, when my window won't go down. So anyway, that has since been resolved and everything. But, um, you know, those are gone. So that is a non-issue. Now, um, you just put your radio on. They tell you, you know, what uh, channel. Right. And um, so that's how you hear the sound. Yeah, yeah. Did you know that? I did actually. Um, I don't remember the last time I was at the drive-in, but uh, they did have those, I believe. So. Wow. So you've been like you know, <laughs> in the more recent years. You yeah. Obviously. I I want to say it was. Hmm, I can't even remember when or what movie or whatever, but I guess they've been doing the through the car stereo thing for quite a while now. Okay, well, in, when I watched Grease, they were still doing the right. <laughs> speakers on the windows. That, you know, with the little commercial thing, like, don't pull away, you know, with it hooked to your car. Right, so. yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, the problem was, well, one of the problems um, was that to, like, you, you or many people brought... Um, a radio a portable radio with them right and they just put that frequency on and they listen in their car that way Um, because you know if you leave your car on um, for extended periods of time and and we you know like you get there early you know, especially yeah, if you haven't been for a while, because you don't know, like, this Bon Jovi, you know, is it going to be like a concert where, you know, you're going to be in line for a long time, like, waiting to get in. Like, you don't know all those things. So we went early. Right. And um, so we just started, you know, the radio thing early, too. And, I mean, Bon Jovi have probably done two songs. Yeah. And boom. The battery died. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I know. So it was like, you know, now what? Because you can't really just listen to everybody else's because, you know, it's in their car. Um, right. It's, so um, Michael, who is one of the friends I was with, um, he had seen another friend um 
you know, in this pre-time that we had, pre-movie time. Right. And they had an extra um, radio. (laughs) (laughs) So we listened to the radio. Um, You know, he was able to borrow that. And we were able to hear the concert, uh, you know. (laughs) I was somewhere thinking, like, you know, now what? Like, when it's over, what are we going to do? Right. Um, so, another thing that's new, um, at least since I was at the drive-in to see Greece, um, they just have these little, like, stands that have, you know, jumper cables and battery thing on them. And they just, like, it's almost like taking your order, you know, all these little... People just come out pushing these, and they just go through <laughs> jumping the cars off. <laughs> well, I guess, you know, I guess you got to have that. Well, I mean, it's sort of like, here's your sign, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> here's the ones that, you know, like, need some special help. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, but anyways, I mean... It was um, it was an interesting experience to be back at one. Um, you know, it's a lot different uh, as an adult than you know. I mean, when I saw Greece, I was a teenager, um, right. and uh, then I you know started going to drive-ins when I was really young. With my parents would bring me, um, and, and you know, like I don't remember like the things you notice at different stages of life are very different. So, um, you know, it was, it was nostalgic. It was Bon Jovi. Um, and, you know, it was friends. Also, it was a pandemic where it was good to be able um, to do something, you know, right. like just to feel like you're back out in the world in some way. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of like, my drive-in experience but when i heard about the documentary that we were going to get to talk to april wright um i knew it couldn't be wrong (laughs) (laughs) you know she has that name Um, but i was really excited because um you know i i I love drive-ins i love nostalgia um it's just kind of cool to me aren't they aren't they building a drive-in near you uh, well, it it looks like uh, it is built. Um, it is, you know, like on the <laughs> the big screen is up, and um, oh, so it's just not open. Um, it it is not open. Um, you know, I, I'm hoping like the weather now is, you know, getting pretty warm. So I'm hoping it won't be long until. We might have the newest drive-in there is in the United <laughs> States. That's right, yeah. And that is in Barberville, Kentucky, people. Right. Uh, come you know, on come down. To the Knox Drive-In. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, free advertisement. I mean, don't come until you, like, see a <laughs> an ad saying they're open. But when you see that, you know, come. Right, or you can it. just drive by and see it. Well, now we do not encourage people to steal. Um, <laughs> I didn't say steal. I just said drive by and see it. I know, but like, if it's something like you see that's interesting, you might just like, you'd have to pull over, right, or something on the side of the road. And I, I, I mean, I've been in Barberville many, many times and driven by the drive-in and never felt the need to stop and like take pictures of it. So. Well, I, I actually did take pictures and, <laughs> and video and everything, you know, of, of not, but of the daytime, you know, it wasn't obviously, it's, like I said, it's not open yet, but, right. uh, you know, I was curious, like, at different stages of it, you know, what did it look like, and, um, you know, I kind of knew, like, not to look for those speakers, um, right. you know, and the little poles that, um, used to be yeah between you know, that kind of marked your parking spot right i mean yeah yeah so it's um so driving to me like now when i'm looking at 
just the space of them, you know, they look kind of uh, ugly, right? I mean, it's just like, it's like a big piece of, you know, land with, <laughs> with uh, a big screen that kind of looks ugly. Um, well, I mean, what else do you need, right? I mean, a snack well, bar? Well, and even that, though, doesn't, um, you know, like, it doesn't look, like, all that appealing, like, when you're a child. But, uh, you know, of the night, when everything's lit up, like, it looks way different, you know, when all the lights are going. Yeah, of course. All of that. So, um, to me, I guess that's one thing I thought was how amazingly different the drive-in looks of the day and of the night. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, so, uh, but it's, it's just, I don't know. It, people used to, like, did you have a station wagon ever, your family? Um, um we did, but I don't think I ever went to the drive-in. Um, so, a lot of people would bring station wagons and uh, trucks. Yeah, you know? trucks were big yeah because you can sit right in the back you know like sure. a lot of people uh, you know park that way so everybody just sat in the back of the truck and right drank um, their beer and <laughs> yeah you know or the kids went to sleep or whatever right, yeah. uh, or played outside yeah i mean you know like a lot of times um we didn't even like weren't even interested in the movie when we were little um, yeah so it's like pre-babysitting, um, <laughs> you know, at that time. And I, I guess nobody was really worried. Uh, they didn't seem to be about us getting kidnapped or, you know. <laughs> no, probably not. Yeah, I mean, we went to the concession stand and, you know, everything like that. Yep. Um, so just uh, was a, a little different time, and that's what I think drive-ins to me, it just brings me back to different times like that. So, and, and my parents, and you know, just I don't know when I didn't really have anything to think about or worry about. Just yeah, you know. yeah, different different time for sure. I mean, I yeah. don't know that the experience is the same, or we would remember it the same, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like going. Yeah, I'd be the... curious. Uh, you know, in our group, we um, we did a poll about it, and of course, there are now um, a lot of people that have not been to a drive-in ever. So, you know, the nostalgia for some, I think, is is lost uh, because yeah. they they didn't experience it yet. But I mean, uh, maybe. I guess it'll be a good question to ask April if she feels like, you know, they're, they're like the pandemic certainly, I think, um, brought a lot of emphasis back for Yeah, driving. of course, because you could go and, like you were saying, you could go and feel like you were out amongst people and, you know, still social distance and whatever. So, yeah, I'm sure that is the case. So, but I just wonder, you know, like now is that momentum going to last? Because again, in our poll, uh, most people responded they would rather stream movies at home yeah. as go to the drive-in or even the theater. Well, that's because a lot of people don't want to leave their house now. So, I mean. So, well, I mean, it's become, you know, the new like norm, I guess, is that. Yeah. Because you couldn't watch things. Well, I mean, not really. Like, when we were growing up, you really couldn't get movies. Um, no. You couldn't you know. download them or whatever. I mean, right. I mean, you could, but it would that. take, like, three days to download a movie. Or... <laughs> you could, like, tape something on your VHS, you know, yeah. like VCR and, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hope that you didn't like somebody didn't tape over it or right. hope that it recorded period because yeah um but you know uh, I, I just am curious like what's going to be the future of them but again i mean the one is opening in barberville and uh you know so maybe there's going to be 
a bar. <laughs> I mean, we could only only hope, but a documentary is fascinating because I don't know a lot of the history of, of drive-ins, and uh, it never occurred to me to make a documentary, you know, about that. So I'm excited to to learn all I can and. Um, well, I mean, doc, uh, I'm sorry, drive-ins have been around since when, the 40s? <clears throat> yeah, but now, I mean, certainly I was not alive at that time. Um, yeah, I, I'm trying to remember, like, I think it was the 40s. It might have been the late 30s or something. But anyway, we'll find all that out from our guest. Who we you know, go? I do remember, like, my my dad, he he didn't talk about going to the drive-in there, but I remember they called it the picture show, um, the theater. Right. So I do remember when he talked about when he was young and the theater first opened, uh, you know, like how exciting that was to him. Um, so, you know, I think, um, I think the drive-in, you know to many is that same kind of experience just like the first time that you you get to see that big screen and i mean it is big like yeah that is one thing of the day you notice is like you know it's a big screen yeah all right well let's talk to april and uh <laughs> we will find out what her documentary is about and uh all about drive-ins as they are now. Right on. Got it? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. April Wright, I want to welcome you to this episode of Backstory Sessions. We are so excited to have you as a guest and to talk about drive-ins. Well, I am happy to talk about drive-ins as much as you can handle. So <laughs> let's let's talk about drive-ins. Hmm. <laughs> well, did you grow up um, with memories of going to the drive-in? Let's start there. I sure did. Yeah, I grew up outside of Chicago in kind of a small town that was on the border of Wisconsin. And I remember growing up, we had three drive-ins that were pretty close to us. Um, the Kino drive-in that was in Kenosha the Grays Lake Outdoor and the Waukegan Drive-In, and those were in the regular rotation that my mom took us to every summer. Um, so it was a big part of my childhood. I mean, seeing movies in general, but especially in the summer, seeing movies at the drive-in. So um, definitely implanted early as a cool thing to do. <laughs> oh, do you remember like uh, one of the first movies you saw at the drive-in? You know, I don't. What's, what's funny, um, people always ask if, if I remember my first movie, but we just really had a movie family. We saw movies a lot and went to movies a lot. So it's it's like such a common thing. It's all blended together. It's not like one moment struck me. But I, you know, I certainly remember seeing Disney movies and animated movies and like Lo Herbie Lovebug movies when I was really little and stuff like that. Um but no, I don't have, like some people do have a, that vivid memory. Like I really remember seeing this, but I don't have that. It's just, you know, we saw movies a lot. <laughs> well, so I do have those vivid memories, kind of, at least of, I remember my parents took me, um, I'm sure they wanted to go. And then we were just like, you know, there, um, but Walking Tall was the first movie. Oh, wow. That <laughs> No, that was a big drive-in movie. That yes. movie, I've seen. I've seen so many like newspaper advertisements advertising that movie. Yeah, that that was a big one for sure. So you were probably like in your pajamas in the back seat and, and watching yeah, probably asleep or something. At the end by that point, but um, then I remember going to see Greece. So that's the you know next one when I was like kind of older and ready to like actually watch the movie. Yeah. Yeah, and, and then Greece has one of the best drive-in scenes in it, so it's course. like adding a layer when you see it at a drive-in. Yeah, I know. It's just like <laughs> it's just not the same if you see it in any other setting. I feel like. <laughs> 
Yeah. And then um, I so I have to share my pandemic uh, drive-in story because now there's like hardly any drive-ins around, but uh, at least where I live. But there was one, and um, so I saw the Bon Jovi concert when they were doing the concerts during the pandemic. So, you know, those and are my So where do you live? Which which drive-in is closest to you? That you, um, you so have? at that time, it was Somerset in Kentucky. Oh, um, yeah. They since have closed, and I think maybe they're going to reopen. And now yep. in Barberville, of my hometown of where I live, um, they're opening a drive-in. Uh, so it never has been open. So, um, you know, just all kinds of weird things to... Uh, Wow, that's great. Yeah. So um, what was your favorite part of the drive-in experience? Because, you know, there's more than just, like, watching the movie. There's, like, all kinds Mm -hmm. of sensory things. So what is it about that you enjoyed as a child? The the two things that always stand out to me the most, one is the intermission trailers. Mm. Um, (laughs) And... And the the funny part about it is that we didn't get to get most of the stuff because we didn't have that much money when I was growing up, but um, but we could often we were often allowed to go in and get ice cream. Like that was the one thing that obviously you couldn't bring with you. Right. Not that anybody should bring things with them into the drive-in. We, we need <laughs> yeah. to support. We need to support the drive-in snack bars. We definitely need to support that. But, um, but yeah, I definitely remember watching those intermission trailers and just, you know, wanting to get every single, single thing I saw of them and the way they would do the countdown clock and the music, like that was part of the ritual was just, you knew the movie might change, but those movies that were those intermission movies were the best and they would be there every time. And to the <laughs> point that we could like say the words to all of them and stuff, cause you would see them every time you went to the drive-in. And then the other thing I remember is just the feeling of going into the snack bars because you would go during intermission. And as a little kid, obviously it was busy. It was full. You'd try to go to the bathroom and see if you could get some ice cream or whatever. But just that smell of the of the fresh popcorn and the, the you know, just the the sound of being in that busy environment in the snack bar is something I, I definitely can still remember um, from being a kid. So those are kind of my two things. <laughs> Oh, so was there a, a period of time where, um, like, you stopped going to drive-ins? Um... I think mostly just when they closed, I stopped. <laughs> yeah, because we went, we went as kids, and then of those three drive-ins that were near me, um, the Grays Lake closed, the Waukegan closed eventually, but they were open pretty late. And then I, I still definitely remember going to the Waukegan and the Kino once I was in high school. Um, during the summer we would go all the time Um, in high school one of my teachers was actually the projectionist at one of the drive-ins so we would always (laughs) see him there and so yeah I went quite a bit and then it's kind of funny in college um, I went to drive-ins but I, I had sort of forgotten that I had and then when I started making movies about drive-ins some of my friends at college were like oh yeah remember you always made us go to the drive-in I'm like okay yeah I, I do remember going in college, like not as vividly, but I definitely did. And I definitely remember it. And then when I moved to California, um, the Van Nuys drive-in was still open here when I first moved here. And, and I would go see movies there all the time. But we also had closed drive-ins. Um, and um, so even before I left Chicago, there were closed drive-ins all over and I would drive out of my way to drive by them and stop and look at them and just be like, why is this closed? What happened? Hmm. What did this look like in its heyday? Why is it in such bad shape? What's going on? And I did the same when I got out here to LA, we had a couple of really big drive-ins open. Um, the Sentinella, that's the one in Michael Mann's movie heat that was still open and just sitting there a you know, vacant for a long time. And the one that's in Pee Wee's Big Adventure, the studio drive-in, um, was just sitting there empty for a long time. And I would go visit them, like, maybe this could come back. What, you know, what happened to it? And just really take them in. I was kind of obsessed in a way that, you know, why why were they so big? Why were these marquees so huge and awesome? Why are they run down now? What happened? We still love cars. We still love movies. And so eventually when I started making films, I was like, I should, this would be a good topic for a documentary 
And actually, my very first documentary that came out um, 10 years ago was about the history of drive-ins. And then this new one, Back to the Drive-In, was more like I wanted to go back to that subject, but dig more into the families that are trying to keep them going because, you know, I really am all about trying to keep them going. Hmm. <laughs> um, so with the history of them, because, I, you know, I, I had not been from like since Greece until the pandemic. So that's, you know, quite a span of time. Um, so I did not know like that the speakers, you know, that you used to put on your window or whatever, like those are not there anymore. <laughs> um <laughs> You know, uh, yeah, so. all the all the technology advancements, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That's so funny. And there's a handful of drive-ins out there that uh, there's one that I show in my movie at the Wellfleet in Cape Cod that they keep and maintain a lot of their speakers. But most of the drive-ins went to that radio sound, and uh, originally they went to AM radio sound, and then it became FM. And so it just depends how good your car stereo is now. <laughs> Uh, and also your battery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, although people get afraid of that. They're like, how oh, can I keep my battery on the whole time? Th there are people that have to be jumped every night at the end of the drive-in, but it's usually like one car, somebody that whatever reason, but it, it doesn't drain like you think. <laughs> it's not something to be worried about, put it that way. Um, well, it kind of did for us. <laughs> you were you were one of the ones they had to jump. Well, quite a few, you know, because we were. Oh, like, really? We were really panicked, like, oh my gosh, you know, who are we gonna call? What are we gonna do? <laughs> oh, that's and, uh, so funny. No, that's common at drive-ins that they yeah, have to jump, they just jump a few people at the end part. of every night. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. so funny. I know. <laughs> so you know, this is good information for people that are going to be going to drive-ins. Yeah. I just, saw, I just saw something a few weeks ago that Ford apparently, uh, I think they filed some patents or something for like a drive-in um, thing for cars that would do all the things that drive-ins need, like how to, you know, put your headlights out and keep your battery charged or whatever. They had some sort of like drive-in package that <laughs> doesn't mean it's going to be on cars anytime soon. But I was like, that's kind of interesting that they've designed this. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, probably who knows? For, probably for one of their electric vehicles or whatever. Right, right, especially for the electric vehicles, exactly. Yeah, that's pretty funny. So it sounds like you've had an interest, I mean, even when you were just talking about, like, stopping at, you know, drive-ins and, like, trying to imagine what they look like in their heyday and things like that, that you had the mind of a you know, of someone who would make documentaries. So when did this start, your interest in telling a story through film? Yeah, well, I mean, I was a film lover. Like we were talking about, I went to films. It's, it was always part of my life, something that I cared about. But I really got into filmmaking. Um, uh, well, I, I kind of had a, a horror movie made that I wrote around the same time I was researching my first documentary about drive-ins and then I directed another film. And so all this was kind of around the same time in the mid two thousands. And then my first drive-in documentary, um, it took a while to finish it because I wanted to be very thorough for the first one. So I did travel to every single state except Alaska to look at their drive-ins and what was left of their drive-ins. And in some cases at the former site to see what's there or, you know, so I was very thorough and I literally went to over 500 drive-in locations making wow. that movie. I, I drove the country spending like a month for two summers in a row going through the South, going through the North. And it, I didn't need to be that thorough, but I just felt like I wanted to tell the whole story. And then I had this weird side effect that, I went to every state except Alaska, and I went to so many drive-ins, um, like more more than anybody. Yeah, like there's there's a lot of people who go to drive-ins, and it's just like, yeah, nobody's even close to how many I went to. It's kind of weird. I didn't think about it at the time, being a weird side effect, but in retrospect, it is. So a side effect of all the research I did and all the driving I did and all the drive-in exploring I did is that I really do know a lot about drive-ins <laughs> and, um, and I know a lot of the owners of the ones that are, you know, keeping them going. So, um, it is definitely 
a fascination for me and a subject that I'm passionate about. And I think besides movies, I also like weird architecture. Like I love the uh, Space Needle in Seattle. I love the St. Louis Arch. I like the Eiffel Tower and, you know, so all sorts of like unusual architecture that has a showmanship about it or something unusual I really like and drive-ins are that too. So I think there's also that architectural piece that intrigues me for some reason. Hmm. And I like cars, you know, so I think there's that side of it as well. Yeah. All right. So you um, made the first documentary and then you decided that you wanted to focus more on um, the families that make these drive-ins work day in and day out. And so back to the drive-in, um, is it 11 um, families that you, or 11 drive-ins that you focus on in this one? Yes, because um, I realized um, that at this point there's not really, um, the majority of the drive-ins, if not all of them, are family-owned. And even if they are multi-location, they're still family-owned businesses that have more than one drive-in. And, um, and my personal, I grew up in a family business. My family's business was a roller rink. And it's very similar <laughs> because, you know, you're opening to the public. It's a family business. You have a snack bar. Like a lot of elements were the same. And so when I started seeing what they're doing, what they were doing and the passion to keep them going and how they are family businesses, I could relate to that a lot. And I wanted to do this film to show just sort of behind the scenes what they put into it and how much you know, tenacity and passion is involved to keep them going, but also just so much joy in, and importance to what they feel like they're doing and what they're giving to their community. Um, the, these are things that you don't really think about. So I wanted to pull the curtain back a little bit and get people more engaged that it's not just a movie, that it really is something that if you care about, you should go to your drive and support it and help keep them around because the people that own, own them are really putting their lives into it. So how did you choose the 11 that you were going to include? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Um, I try. Okay. So when I was originally going to show the families and this was before COVID came, I was going to maybe show three and go really into depth. But when COVID happened and there was this sort of added layer and added spotlight on drive-ins, but I also knew everything wasn't rosy. You know, a lot of people thought, you know, during the pandemic, drive-ins are thriving, and they were in a way, they were getting more attention, but they also had a lot of additional issues to deal with that the film gets into. And so I, I wanted to show that, and, and, I, and I didn't know the answer to this when I got on the road. I was like, you know, I bet they're all having different issues depending what state they're in or depending what, you know, all these factors I thought would make a difference. So I tried to pick a really good cross section. So I picked very old drive-ins that have been around for many decades. And I picked like a brand new drive-in that had just opened three weeks, maybe before I got there, brand new drive-in built from scratch. And I picked some with seven screens, some with only one screen, um, different states, different types of owners, young owner owners, older owners. Um, so I, I picked as many different factors as I could to just get a big cross section. And then to my surprise, as soon as I visited two or three, I was like, none of these factors matter. They are all telling me the same story. They're all having the same issues. They all feel the same about it. It, it was just really great i guess you know that they're that they're so much alike and and more alike than different i guess um ended up being something i figured out very you know after i'd been to a few locations i was like that's so interesting i was not expecting that hmm. so who is um a drive-in owner like what's kind of the, the yeah prototype <laughs> for who that's a good them? question and i think you'll see a little bit in the movie that they uh, there's a, a little bit of eccentricity um, that this is not your typical path or your typical job, right? 
and some people grew up in it in their families um other people you know just wanted to be involved in drive-ins or build drive-ins but i always say that every drive-in takes on a little bit of personality of the owners um and they are family businesses so that makes every drive-in kind of unique and there's certainly an americana aspect of it of just sort of owning your own business and putting on your show every night um and so the type of people that do it they just have to have that element of passion and dedication because it's not easy as you see in the film it's not easy but there's so much reward that they feel um when they see kids come and have a good time so it it is people who gosh how can you say that just are passionate and you know can deal with people deal with the public and um care about keeping a place like this going because obviously there would be easier things they could do but there's also just a great sense of pride and ownership in what they're doing so kind of kind of cool <laughs> so it, it's more than just someone you know going in at a little before dark or somebody taking the tickets and someone starting the film um so you spent like a day or night with each of these so you know what is it like like from the time that you know someone has to be there like what are all the steps well yeah what you just said is totally the thing right is that we think like you just show up and the movie starts and that's it. Like that's what we see most of the time going to a place like this. But that's part of what I wanted to show in the movie was that I would get there when the drive-in owner showed up that would be maybe two or three in the afternoon. And they would, well, they start at that point doing preparation, getting ready for that night. And then, you know, kind of the next phase is eventually they open the gates once everything's ready. And then at some point they get the movie on screen and they open the snack bar, you know, there's all these pieces. And then eventually, you know, once the employees are there, once the customers come in, the tickets are sold, the snack bar is open, the snacks are sold, the movie's on screen. And then at that point, sometimes they have a little bit of a breather and then eventually there's an intermission and the snack bar gets crazy again. And so I would start at two or three in the afternoon and just not stop until they could take a breather. And that would be maybe 2 a.m. depending. Um, so, yeah, it's it's long, long nights, um, long days. Um, some drive-ins are open year round, doing that year round, especially if you're in a warm climate state. Some just do it for the summer. And you can see why the summer is enough because they get burnt out working all those hours. <laughs> Um, but yeah, there's a lot of lot of time and a lot of passion put into it, and that that that's exactly part part of what I wanted to share, is just to show what what all goes into it. <laughs> and then like the unpredictable, I guess, factors like weather. So what if you're all set up and it you know was a yeah <laughs> monsoon or something? I mean. I know. Crazy, right? That's one of the things. And there is a drive-in in the documentary that deals with fog and a couple that deal with rain. And um, that is one of the unpredictable aspects of the business, that they are constantly tracking weather. And, um, yeah, you, you never know. You know, you're going to put on your show every night, but there can be other factors that impact the attendance that are out of your control. And, and that's a tough aspect, right? Yeah, so, look at the you know, look at the movie Twister. <laughs> right. <laughs> Twister yeah. is a great movie to see at a drive-in though because sometimes you get extra special effects. Yeah, so that's true. That's yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, there is this element of it's almost like you're throwing a party every night or you're, you know, you're opening to the public every night and something might cause it to go wrong and um, there's a lot of variables, right? So it does have to be people who can sort of roll with uncertainty, people who are willing to gamble a little bit, like mm. with this business. It's true. It's true. So that there has to be people that are willing to take some risks um, to be to be driving owners for sure. What what uh what state has the most drive-ins? 
Um, I don't know the exact count yet for this season, but I can tell you historically and presently, the states that have had the most, and this is funny because I would have thought warm weather states, but no, it's um, Pennsylvania, New York, and Ohio. Wow. There you are. Yeah. Yeah, those are the three biggest drive-in states, and they used to be, back in the day at the peak, They those three states had the most. And now that there's fewer drive-ins, they still have the most. And I'm not sure which is in the lead right now because there has been a lot of changes over right. the past year. We're still not sure who's actually going to open for this season, mm. but um, but they have the most. Um, and someone told me that that's mostly just population-driven, that there was so much industry in those three states um, and that as the country kind of grew up that that there was just a lot of population and therefore you needed a lot of drive-ins in those states. Yeah. I, I, the town I grew up in, um, in New York, uh, there's still two there, I believe. Um, oh, and, really? Where's that at? Uh, Poughkeepsie. Okay. Poughkeepsie. Yeah. yeah. It's on the Hudson river, about 75 miles north of yeah, Manhattan. I think there, I, I do think I know of at least one drive-in that's near there. Um, but yeah, you're right. Probably more than one are, are in the surrounding area yeah yeah there's the overlook and i forget what the other uh -huh. one is yeah oh yeah i've been to the overlook yeah, yeah that very pretty drive-in um yeah that it's very nicely manicured and very pretty and like trees around it and stuff i definitely remember that one yeah i think that one's literally for lease right now okay yeah it could be i haven't been up there in three years so uh <laughs> i don't, yeah, don't get I up there that one or the hyde park Hyde Park might be for lease. One of the one of those are, but yeah. Oh I've, yeah. I've been, yeah. Yep. There's cool. a, there's a creek right by the Overlook where uh, we used to go drinking all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yes, that definitely has been part of drive-ins. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, which state ha or which drive-in that you went to was the most uh, extravagant? And what would be the extravagance? Huh, that's a great question. Um, well, I think it yeah, it depends how you want to measure it. Um, one of my favorite drive-ins, um, and it, it's actually changed, but the Admiral Twin in Tulsa, Oklahoma, mm -hmm. um, when I made my first documentary, they still had their original screen tower, and it had started as a single screen, but it became uh, two-sided. They added a second screen on the back mm -hmm. of the original screen, so it was a two-sided screen, which was pretty rare. Some drive-ins had those. Um, that was one of them, and they sh um, shot the film The Outsiders there. Oh, cool. Uh, when I went to visit it, it was one of my favorite screen towers um, because it was all wood, and we went inside it, and it looks like a wooden roller coaster. Uh. Like it just had all <laughs> wooden beams, and it was huge, and it was nine stories tall. Wow. So the height of a nine-story building, and um, and it actually did end up burning down, but they the community rallied, and they rebuilt it with a metal frame that couldn't burn down, right. but they built it in the same shape of the original one. Um, but that was probably one of what I think is one of the more extravagant towers that I've seen. But there's still some of those original, um, you know, big wooden towers. Mm -hmm. um, like the Brazos in my documentary has one of the original towers. And I always like those. And some of them had housing in them. Um, so any that have that are pretty cool. And, wow. then, and then the other aspect is the marquees. Yeah. And... Like in my film, the Benji's Drive-In has a huge, awesome marquee. The um, I have a, a quick shot of this at the beginning of the film. The Twin in Independence, Missouri has like a huge arc over it, real big sign. That one is one of my favorite marquees. It's just huge. You cool. drive up to it, you're like, wow, why did they build this so big? It's so awesome. <laughs> um, and then I suppose... You know, some with like like the other one in my film, the Galaxy has seven screens, eight screens. Um, I think they had seven at the time I was there, and that's crazy. You're like, yeah, how, you know how big is the 
this operation. So I guess when you say extravagant, you could measure it all different ways. Yeah, I was and thinking. Then, I was thinking more yeah. like uh, you know, someplace that had like um, I don't know uh, car service or you know, like an extravagant snack bar with like sushi and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I mean, I I kind of showed a little bit of that in the movie. Like, yeah, the Coyote does deliver out to your car. The Greenville has a bar where they have themed drinks to match the movie. So oh, cool. like when I they were doing the Big Lebowski and the drink of the night was the the White Russian of course. Right. So there's I think that's one thing that drive-ins can do probably a little more than indoor theaters um, is customize it so that you know if the drive-in owner wants to have a special thing um, they have more ability to do that, and that's why you get these really unique experiences at drive-ins sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh, I'm getting something at the door. Uh-oh. <laughs> I think it's just something I need to pull in. Yeah. We don't have to stop. Okay. Quick, quick delivery. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> we'll do, we'll, Sorry I'll, about I'll that. I'll edit it out. So be... Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right, Kat, where are we here? All right, so um, in the documentary, do you you talk with any of the patrons that are there, or is it mostly focusing on the the families that are running the drive? Yeah, you know, I felt like I'd seen, maybe this is because of the pandemic, but I felt like I'd seen a lot of coverage where people were talking to patrons um and i just kind of felt like i didn't want that to be the focus of this i really was trying to look at it more behind the scenes i have a little bit sprinkled in with patrons so you get a little bit of that aspect of it but i was mostly trying to take the perspective of the owner so that you could see the other side of it um that you don't usually see but i did sprinkle in you know a few patrons a few other employees here and there (laughs) (laughs) um so i imagine as you were saying the pandemic um you know was a popular time because there weren't a lot of activities depending on where you live to um to be able to do um what happened um you know as people got back out into the world um you know do we know yet if if drive-ins are impacted or are people still going you know once they started going did it become like a habit Um, yeah i don't think we know yet i mean so the pandemic the first year 2020 happened and that's when they were kind of the only show in town and that summer in particular when not much else was allowed to be open the drive-ins picked up the slack for all sorts of things. They hosted high school graduations, church services, stand-up comedy, just all every type of thing, concerts that other venues were closed. Drive-ins had a lot of that, which was kind of cool because they started as gathering places and hubs for their communities when they were originally built. And so that came mm-hmm. back a little bit during COVID, which was cool. And then when I went on the road, which was um, summer 2021, um, other things were opening up. And by then they were starting to see some of the additional COVID effects, not just other competition for places to go and sports being back and things like that. But all the things people were dealing with, like having a hard time getting minimum wage employees, um, that all the restaurants were having a problem getting, drive-ins were having the same and the supply chain issues they were having problems getting you know popcorn containers getting nacho cheese so nacho a, a cheese things, <laughs> yeah right a lot of a lot of these things are covered in the film um and then hollywood started releasing a few movies but not back up like normal so that was kind of an issue and then by the time you get into last summer Top Gun came out that made a huge difference because everybody wanted to come out to see Top Gun and especially Top Gun on a drive-in screen was great Um, people went to indoor theaters too and so I think last year was a little better 
um, but not great. And they're really hoping, I was actually at the drive-in um, owners convention last month, a few weeks ago. And actually, at, when I was at that conference, they um, made me an honorary member of the organization, by the way, which was so nice. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Um, such an honor. Yeah, such a yeah. huge honor. And um, and so I think they're optimistic about this year that there's um, better movies coming out and movies that draw a drive-in audience, um, especially family-oriented movies. So I think they're pretty optimistic. But I'll tell you, there's been a lot of uh, a lot more activity around drive-ins, um, closing, being sold, changing hands. Even new drive-in or older drive-ins that haven't been open for decades reopening. There's just a lot of churn right now. Um, and so I don't know where it's all going to land yet. It's kind of like we're in the middle of a transition. And I think since before the pandemic and now, the total number of drive-ins has actually decreased in the last few years. Because there was about 305 of them before the pandemic. And now um, I'm quite sure we're under 300 and maybe quite a bit under 300 but we're mm. kind of waiting to find out um so i don't know the que the question is up in the air and that's why i hope people see my film and if they have a drive-in near them that it reminds them to go visit it and support it and keep it go help keep it going um because it really is a question mark right now are people going to keep going to drive-ins they you know, a lot of people rediscovered it during the pandemic, but is that going to stick? You know, it's, it's, I don't know. I hope they do. My heart is in it with, with all these drive-in owners. Cause I think that's one thing you get when you watch the movie is you really see their passion and their determination and you want them to succeed. And, um, and I hope they do. Um, so price wise, um, it seems like with um, theaters, at least, that um, people have not gravitated back to those, even though they could. Um, they're not nearly as popular, it seems, at least in this area, um, as they were before the pandemic. Because now people um, stream a lot of things or yeah. you know, they just um, watch. They've just, I guess, gotten in the habit of doing that. But... Um, with drive-ins, like all the things that you mentioned, um, it, it seems like that they they have that unique opportunity to customize, um, you know, whatever's showing and to bring people in, at least for that experience, if nothing else. Um, so I hope that, you know, that's something maybe that gives them a little edge to continue. Yeah, and you're right. The streaming competition is a big deal, and... and... And that was another thing, obviously, the pandemic gave the studios a chance to see what would happen if it didn't go to theaters and it just went streaming or whatever. And I think most of the studios have now realized that the theatrical piece is very important. It makes a different uh, impression of the movie when it first comes out that carries through the whole life cycle of the movie, that more people know about it, that it's just better. Um, so hopefully theatrical will be pushed a little more by the studios than it than it had been um but you're right with the drive-in you have it that it's not just a movie it is an experience and a lot of times it's a double feature and sometimes they do retro movies and sometimes they do events and you know so there there's more to it because it is like a more full experience when you go to the drive-in for sure and who doesn't love a dancing hot dog yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> the dancing hot dog trailer is the best. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you got the nostalgic, um, you know, that element as well. I'm sure, like, a lot of grandparents or, you know, parents want to, that grew up with that experience, want their kids, they, like, want to share that. So, um, I don't know. I, I you know, I just have a lot of good memories of, of my family and, you know, friends at different times with the drive-in that, um, that yeah. it just seem like experiences more than, you know, that I have of like, oh, we went to the movies or whatever. Um, 
I think what you just said is it, it in a nutshell. And this is what I, I kind of came to realize that it's about creating good memories. It's about creating family memories. It's not necessarily about the movie, but when you go to the drive-in, it creates memories with, with your family, with the people that you're with that you remember like forever. I don't know why it does that, but it's just, it's just such a magical experience to go hang out with people, see a movie under the stars, have the food, like all of that. It really creates good memories that people carry with them. And I think that's one of the most important things that, that come out of the drive-in that, that make people love it. And where, where else can you go to get a Bargo lot? I mean, you know, the, what is it? The insect thing that you burn? Oh, the, (laughs) (laughs) the PIC, the pick. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know of any other place that you can get one of those. <laughs> yeah, that you can burn that. And, the, you know, I, I'll tell you something funny. I, I, I've I seen, like, the old trailers they used to play, just like Dancing Hot Dog Trailer. There's old pick trailers. Yeah. And it's like a spiral thing that burns and keeps mosquitoes away. I yeah. honestly thought that went away with my childhood. I really did until I went, you know, in, into this topic of drive-ins. And they still exist. The company still makes them. <laughs> I had no idea. I was not expecting that. Yeah, it, it depends where you are. Like, I'm in California. We don't really have bugs and mosquitoes, so uh, we don't have the piece of the experience. But I know through the Midwest and, and the East Coast that depending where the drive-in's located, that can be a thing with, with the bugs. And so every drive-in has different things that you can burn or spray or whatever. That becomes part of Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The mosquitoes. Yes, <laughs> I did grow up. In, I did grow up in Chicago, so I know mosquitoes. But we don't. We don't have them in California, which is one benefit of being here. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> All right. So did something Go, oh. funny happen during the filming of the documentary? Ooh, oh, that is good. unusual things that maybe the owners had to deal with, or. That is a good question. Anything unusual? Um, no, I can't remember anything like really strange or bad happening. I mean, I definitely had some pretty severe rain at points when I was there, but obviously for certain locations that became part of their story. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it was really a good experience. I mean, I drove for three and a half weeks when I made this movie. So I drove from Los Angeles over to Texas, north to Nebraska, through the Midwest, through Illinois and Ohio, up to Niagara Falls area for the transit drive-in, to the Greenville drive-in in New York, to Cape Cod, and the Benjis in Baltimore, and then I drove back. Um, so yeah, took a long cross-country road trip by myself. Hmm. And I had my primary camera, I had the drone, and then I had a GoPro that I did time-lapse from empty to full, day to night. Um, And so I just, like each location, I just pretty much shot for 12 hours straight, just running all those things. And yeah, nothing really wacky that I can think of. Um, I was very lucky. to just mm. have things go pretty smoothly. I don't have any crazy stories, unfortunately. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> How long did it take you to edit um, once you got to oh, I, Yeah, and I edited myself. This movie has so much of me personally in it. Um, and that was the other reason I made it, because it's like, okay, well, during the pandemic, you can't have a big crew. Like, a lot of production wasn't happening. And I'm like, well, this is something I can mostly make make myself. And even when I go to shoot, I'll be outside. And, you know, so it, it just and then I have learned to edit over the years with all the different documentaries I've made. So a lot of it until I got to the end and then I had other people do the score and the color and all the finishing stuff. But there's definitely a lot of me personally in this documentary. And the editing took me a little while Um I don't remember like how many months, but months, many months. Yeah. And and what I did was I shot it summer 2021 and then about a year ago in the spring of 2022 when I went to the drive-in 
owner's convention. I wanted to show them a rough cut um, just to see if they had any feedback. So very unfinished, no, you know, no color, no sound fixed, temporary score, all that. I showed it to them about a year ago. And then um, I had a rush to get it completely finished because a lot of drive-ins put it on their big screens for um, drive-in day. Oh, cool. Yeah, which was June 6th. And so we did that last summer. And then this summer on June 6th, this is actually the 90th anniversary of drive-ins. The very first one opened June 6th, 1933. And so now in 2023, it's 90 years, which is really crazy. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. So from a documentary, like, production turn turn it around quick this is probably one of the quickest documentaries i've ever made um you know that i shot it one summer and then the next summer it was on on big screens um so yeah pretty fast (laughs) um so yeah so i'm lucky i'm lucky no you know that things went according to plan (laughs) on this one (laughs) although obviously there's so many things that can come up but yeah nothing Nothing that I can think of. I mean, one of the funny things, um, I don't, I don't want to give too much away, but when I was on Cape Cod at the Wellfleet Drive-In, they had some fog come in, and I had been, um, you know, flying my drone to get these beautiful aerial shots at all the drive-ins, and there was fog. And um, when the drone came down, I was really worried about it because it was just dripping wet oh, yeah. um, from being up air with all the fog and that it just never occurred to me um you know you would think like i wouldn't fly my drone in the rain you probably <laughs> wouldn't want to try that but the idea that it came down as if it had been in the rain it was so wet i was like oh did i i hope i didn't you know hurt any right. hurt any of the bits or whatever um but that that was something that kind of worried me a little bit but overall no i this was a very lucky lucky shoot that i can't think of anything major that that went wrong um no so what's next for you i mean um now that this project is done and i'm sure you have other things that you're doing but what what do you yeah well there's i have a lot of things in the works that are documentaries and also um feature films and things like that Um, But especially in documentaries, when I was on the road making this, I did shoot um, B-roll for a few other documentaries. Mm -hmm. Um, One that will be about roller skating, like the history of roller rinks, Um, kind of like my first documentary about drive-ins where I covered the whole origin and the whole history over different eras. I'm going to do that with roller skating, with bowling bowling alleys, and Mm -hmm. with amusement parks but like regional family-owned amusement parks yeah um not the big six flags but there used to be little amusement parks all all over our country there are some left but a lot of people don't realize there were there were once a ton of them (laughs) so those are three new docs i'll be working on and then i'm also literally today i was working on helping a friend um finish a documentary that she had shot about girl skateboarders and so we're finishing that one up and it should be out pretty soon um later this year probably if we're lucky um so yeah i i I try to keep a lot of things in the works and just you know subjects that i'm interested in for documentaries for sure awesome yeah all right cat one last question well um what do you so i guess where can we see the documentary that would be a great question yeah so back to the drive-in like i said we we did play in theaters last summer which was awesome got a great response great reviews and now it's coming out um video on demand on march 14th so that's the next um the next release to look for it so yeah, and it should be, I don't know exactly, I'm sure it'll be on iTunes and Amazon and cable TV and all all the places where you can basically, like, rent a new release is where you can find it. Great. And what do you hope when people watch it, uh, what do you hope they take away from it? Uh, I hope it inspires people to find the nearest drive-in and go visit it and support it and have, you know, remind yourself of that experience and 
just go check it out firsthand and help help keep them going if if you're into that. Well, I certainly um, <laughs> have loved this topic. I was so happy since I, you know, I told Matt like we we've never covered and um, you know had an episode where we talked about dry bins, and so I was so excited when I knew we were going to be able to do uh, this. So. Well, I just think, I mean, all the things we've covered on this call, like they're, they're just, they're very, I mean, they do them in other countries. Canada has some, Australia, but it's just such an American thing and it's just such a great family thing and you can create all these memories. And I think we need more and more things like that right now, um, especially that you can do in person, not, not on your phone, not on, you know, TikTok or whatever, and just go somewhere have a good experience, have a good time, support a family-owned business, create good memories, especially after being locked up for years. We all need to do stuff like this. So hopefully more people see the film and it, it makes them want to go support their drive-ins. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. And we hope that you'll come back and uh, talk to us about the roller skating one because that's also something that's near and dear to my heart. Um, awesome. <laughs> skated for a long time and uh, you know have some good memories of that so hope to, s yeah. to hear about that well, one thank too thank you for having me I, I really appreciate it and you had really good really good in-depth questions so I really appreciate that too thank you as always if you have any questions concerns or comments you can send those to cat at iwriteplays at outlook.com or you can write to me at backstorysessions at gmail.com or matt at level11ventures.com. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.